0: This is the Business Owner Challenge with Brady Marlowe of Exexo. As a business owner, you have unique financial challenges, especially when it comes to transitioning your company, either internally or externally. In this podcast, we address income planning for complex situations, leadership and ownership transitions, succession planning, exit strategies, generational wealth, and more. And now with a combined three decades of experience as both business owners and financial planners, here are your hosts, certified exit planner, Brady Marlowe, and credited estate planner, Rob Wellendorf, to help you navigate those challenging financial and emotional decisions.
1: Hi, and welcome to the Business Owner Challenge podcast. This is Brady Marlowe, and I am filled with joy today to have such a dynamic guest, Jeff Shannon, co-founder of Bravium Human Development. Welcome, Jeff, it's a pleasure to have you. Thanks, Brady, happy to be here. Now, Jeff's a father, a podcaster himself, Mm-hmm. I former uh, podcaster. I, <laughs> those those episodes, the Axe and Yoke podcast, is still out there, right? It's still out there. Yep. Yeah, check it out. It's timeless. I think there's a lot of <laughs> self self management tools in there that I've I've gone back and listened to that. So check it out. Uh, the three of you are engaging to listen to as well. So one word when I think of you, Jeff, is growth. Whether you're backpacking for a week, whether you're starting a company, whether you're Coming up with a elixir vegetable smoothie in your <laughs> in your kitchen, <laughs> you're always you're always trying something new. You're always exploring. Uh, and before we get into our topic today, and I'll try to keep us focused. I know we can go in a lot of directions because you're you're such an explorer. You could speak uh, at depth on a lot of topics. Tell us a little bit about Bravium, uh, who you serve, how you elevate others, and. Yeah, what Bravium does.
2: Yeah, uh, so first and foremost, we're a facilitation company. We help teams get together and align on ideas, get things in writing uh, and be more productive. Our tagline is to inspire transformation because we feel like those, those events where you get folks offsite, uh, exploring, operating in new ways are those things that are the seeds of transformation within the organization. So we do it through facilitating strategy, innovation, culture workshops, we do leadership development and executive coaching at the one on one level.
1: Okay. What was your quick path to that? Uh, what gets, what got, gets you excited about that? Uh, maybe what did you see in your previous life uh, before you started Bravium?
2: Yeah, so I started at a ConAgra Brands. I was there for 17 years. I was in marketing, I was in finance, I'd made some transitions uh, while I was there. And all along the way, development and leadership were big topics for me. I've always been a reader. Uh, and always one of those people who volunteered to do the extracurricular projects, the culture driving projects. And uh, a real influential moment for me was I worked with a consultant. Uh, I got asked to be on a team, work with the leadership team of ConAgra, which was a big, big honor when I was a you know, financial sure. analyst. I was, you know, I don't even know if I was 30 years old yet. And uh, I got-
1: You're just carrying around uh, papers and <laughs> right. getting PowerPoints, right. stuff like that. Right.
2: And so they asked me to be on this, uh, this new culture strategy project. And we spent, I don't know, three or four months in various meetings with CEO, CFO, everybody. Mm-hmm. And just during that experience, it was so transformative for me. They called me an influencer. They gave me an assignment. I went out and started leading workshops to enroll the rest of the organization into the new strategy. Um, I got to help write the strategy for the organization. So it was one of those moments for me, it was like, wow, I, I got to contribute on something in a really big way, even though I didn't have a big title or anything like that. Sure. Um, and it was kind of one of those things for me, it was like, wow, I, I would love to do that all the time. I would love to be the person leading that workshop, like the consultant. Uh, one thing leads to another, Kanagra moves out of Omaha and it just it was like, hey, maybe this is the time for me to do that. Uh, and I found a business partner Nicole Bianchi, who was out there doing that already, and uh, we partnered up, and things have been rolling ever since.
1: Okay, so on this podcast, we challenge our listeners. I think you like this. We challenge them to get better, a little bit better every day, and we also help them with their business owner challenges. That's a little of a double entendre—the business owner challenge. Uh, one of our friends, I, he asked me that. He said, uh, "Is it because you're challenging people, or is it because you're helping people with their challenges?" And I said, "Yes." <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so we believe, and on the show, we talk about business succession planning a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, often people, thinks that, people think that starts maybe a year or two before you're going to transition your business. We believe that starts day one of your business. You should be building your businesses to sell, uh, to be sustainable, whether you're planning on selling it or not. And by uh, doing that, you need to have processes, right? Uh, you need to have culture, strategy, an operating system for your people, uh, because so many businesses get so so founder-centric mm-hmm. that, and it's normally based on the dynamic ability of those, those founders, so how do you start training the same qualities, values that that founder brought to the table mm-hmm. amongst the rest of the employees? So as we think about that architecture, how it develops continuity, uh, before we can have that culture strategy operating system, I know there's a few questions that business owners should be asking themselves. Uh, what's one question that we can start with today?
2: Yeah uh, the phenomenon that you're describing it's I, I like to think of that as like it's personality driven mm-hmm. uh, that not, that happens with business owners that happens within departments. Uh, I was with the group uh, just last week, two day strategy offsite and it's really interesting some of the questions that that can really trip people up. A lot of people think like a simple question uh, is too simple to bother asking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the questions I really like uh, from, it's from Roger Martin, uh, AJ Laffley in the book, Playing to Win. They, they provide five basic strategy building questions that on the surface seem really simple. Uh, and sometimes when I broach those questions with people, they, they start to roll their eyes or like, we don't have to talk about that, that's obvious. Sure. So why would we waste time talking about it?
1: Or they think they've answered it in their head somewhere. Yeah. 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 Or they think they're
2: all aligned. Like, well, it's so obvious. So I'll give you an example of it is where will will we play? And where we will play uh, often is where do we play right now? And -hmm. then where do we want to play in the future? Mm -hmm. And it is, it happens almost every single time when I say, well, where do we play right now?
1: So give me a... You can make up the industry, but give me maybe a company you've worked with that you'd say that to. Where do we play and how that might have some different answers if it's not clearly defined? Yeah, well,
2: it it goes back to what you were saying was that they make the assumption that it's basically what do we do, Mm -hmm. right? It's what do we do here? And a lot of owners, leaders think that's such an obvious thing. But what, what you find out through activity is that, well, they've got it clear in their head, mm-hmm. but they haven't necessarily articulated that to everyone on their team, even people who've been there for a really long time. Like get if you ask a group of folks to say, hey, what is it that we do here? It's surprising how often the answers are different if you have them write them down.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It, they'll, they'll, they'll be like, well, it's so obvious. Like, well, great, just write it down. And they'll write it down. And I'll, and I'll have them do things like, hey, who's the customer within this where, where we play? Mm-hmm. Who's the customer?
1: Everybody's not a good answer to that. I know that. <laughs> yes,
2: everybody's not a good answer to that. Well, what's our geography? Mm-hmm. And the answer, a lot of folks were like, "Well, anywhere customers want to reach us." Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, then it's a uh, you know what channels do we how what channels do we reach our customers? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are like, "Well, what do you mean? What's a channel?" I was just about to ask. Just so you mean just marketing channels, about channels or uh, how do you reach them? Or... How do you connect and interact mm-hmm. uh, with those customers? And what's our product and services? Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of folks, well, we don't really have products. We have services. So it's really hard to say. It's kind of, it's very, anything that the client wants us to do and it gets real, real fuzzy. So those mm-hmm. are like four sub questions below that. I also ask people what industry they're in because, mm-hmm. and then, or this is even better. Who's your competition? And it's really funny when people are, well, we don't really have any competition. We kind of are in this space and like nonprofits, I'll do this with nonprofit groups. Like, well, we're a nonprofit; we don't really have any competition. It's like, what do you mean you don't have any competition? Like, there is a finite amount amount of donation dollars yeah. available
1: and in your marketplace. An infinite amount of other nonprofits asking for asking those for dollars. That money. Yes. Yeah,
2: and and what they're asking is what makes you different and better, and why should I give my money to you?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And folks really don't want to spend a lot of time uh, talking about this scope of work that we do. And I think it's because a lot of them fall for the belief that, well, we don't wanna look external. We don't wanna compare ourselves to others and see where we land in the eyes of the customer. We're just gonna focus on operational excellence. There's so much low-hanging fruit within our organization. If we just get better at mm-hmm. our steps and our processes, well, then we'll that'll take care of all the external factors. But this where we play lays out the landscape and the scope of work that we do in our, our, our body of work that then allows us to go, well, then how do we compare against the competition? Right. How do we look out there in the marketplace? What's our positioning in the marketplace? But you have to know where you play first before mm-hmm. you can then start talking about the value you bring, which would, be the, which would be the next question, which is how will we win, right? Once we say where are we play and you get that really nailed down, well, then you can go, okay, mm-hmm. well, if that's where we play and that's who we play against and that's who we're trying to serve, now let's talk about how are we going to win?
1: Yes, so that's. I'm glad I brought you on to talk about this because as I was laying that out, I did say uh, you need operation manual, right? You need procedures. Sure. You, need to, you need to be efficient sure. internally, but so many businesses probably stop when they get to there. They don't think about the outside as much. So <laughs> I'm just picturing you come in. What do people think they get before you get into all this? It's or what do you think? What do it, they think they're getting? It's kind
2: of interesting. So when when we work with groups, I what I'll end up doing is I'll draw a triangle for them um, because the definition of strategy, strategy gets used uh, a lot in a lot of different ways, the words, and it has different meanings depending on who you ask. And so if you think about a triangle real quick, uh, a lot of times I'll say, folks will call me up, say, Hey, we want to do a strategy session. We got it on this date. We need you to come in. We want you to lead it. And I'll say, well, show me your strat- your current strategy. What's mm-hmm. the past one that you did last time that you've done? And usually it's been three or five years. Mm-hmm. It's time for us to get offside again. There's some new folks, all the right reasons. And when I ask them, I get one of two answers. One, I get, well, here's our mission, vision, values, purpose. Mm-hmm. And it's very high level aspirational, where we, how we want to, what we want to do.
1: Some right? people have done, most people have done some type of work. Some version this. of that. Yes. They'll
2: show me their values. They'll show me their mission, vision and values. And I'll say, that's not a strategy. Mm -hmm. And they'll, okay. And then the other side is what I'll get is I'll get an operation plan, which will be basically a giant to-do list. It's all the things we got to go and do. Mm -hmm. And what's missing from both of those is the choices we're making about who we need to become. And so I've been using this analogy that's worked with a lot of folks lately in workshops is think about it as there's on the triangle, there's aim where we're aiming. And think about that as like, we're going to go climb a mountain out there. So we're in the Rocky Mountains and we're standing on the ground and there are how many mountains along the horizon that we could aim for? There's a whole bunch of them. Let's pick one. That's okay. the mountain we wanna so go that's to. that's our,
1: our goal, our destination. Yeah, that's, and so that's okay. our
2: vision, our purpose, right? Like all of it's over there on that mountain. Okay. We've gotta move towards that mountain somehow in some way. Okay,
1: I'm on your triangle. Let's say that's That'd the, be top. the top. That'd be at the top. I just put it at
2: the top because it makes sense. Uh, and then I'll, I'll kinda go backwards. Uh, then there's the operational plan, which is well, we know it's going to, we got to do it in this many days. Here's our packing list. Here's going to go, who's going on the trip with us. Mm -hmm. All of those details, those milestones and measures to say, how are we doing to get there? Okay. So the thing that's missing, which is often missing from a lot of folks. uh, So when you ask your question is, what do they think they're going to get? And that's usually they think they're going to get one of those two. A really good
1: version of this. Yeah. Just a
2: new, a new packing list a new milestone list of milestones and measures or a new vision or new mountain selection. So what I try to tell them is, well, this workshop is about making choices. So there are a multitude of ways that we could get to the top of that mountain, Mm -hmm. right? We're going to, we're going to hike it and we're going to have to choose the path. And if we choose path A, we can't be on path B. We can only be on one path at a time. We can also make choices of, well, are we gonna use, you know, I, like you mentioned, I do a lot of backpacking. Well, we're gonna use llamas. That means we can bring a whole lot more stuff, but we're gonna have to walk a whole lot slower, mm-hmm. right? Or we could be like the teenagers who, uh, who were out on the trail this year uh, when I was out in Colorado, and they were wearing flip flops and they're like sprinting uh, up the mountain. They had almost nothing. They brought nothing to sleep in because they were just gonna basically run the whole thing that was gonna take me four days to do. Right. That was a different choice. Different experience. Yeah, they chose, the, now they happen to be on the same route as us, but they they brought different gear, knowing that they uh, uh, because they had a different strategy. They weren't gonna they are gonna hike through the night. They were gonna do it fast, where I was gonna mm-hmm. do it slow and make very plotted, difficult <laughs>
1: effort carrying
2: around a big heavy pack.
1: So stop me if I'm jumping ahead. I'm guessing people are end up making some of those choices, but they don't know why.
2: That's exactly right. You've made choices. You you have made choices, but you may or may not have one mm-hmm. realize you're making the choice, mm-hmm. or two. Uh, You've made a choice in your head as the owner or the leader, and you haven't told anyone. Mm-hmm. That's what I see. Stuff that's obvious to you. And we haven't written, a lot of times teams, I find that teams don't write it down. They don't mm-hmm. want to write this stuff down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then when they're unaligned, or, or they, they don't know why they're unaligned because mm-hmm. we're just talking. We're getting in a meeting and we're just talking sure. and we're, we're venting, we're fleshing things out, and but no one you is capturing to take out of that? Yeah, yeah, it's just a bunch of talk. You know, if, if that's happening to you if you walk out of a meeting mm-hmm. and, and say like, well, we had a really good talk. I'm not sure what we decided. Mm. Right, or you come back and like, well, or you'll have the the friction where it's like, well, we didn't decide that, and where someone else in the room was like, well, we totally that was we just made a decision. It's like, well, I wasn't aligned to that. Right, right. You see that happen all the time. You you didn't get aligned in the room. Mm. No one wrote it down. No one hung hung
1: it up on the wall. And goes, is that what we just agreed to? And this is big, I'm sure, in corporations and family businesses, which for we, sure we deal a lot in. Yep, it's. The amount of assumptions that are made, I think are even deeper in family businesses. They just assume so-and-so thinks this or um, so-and-so was going to be on board with what they thought. And I mean, you get years down the road and find out maybe a simple discussion or question around that would have revealed something else. Well, in
2: in workshops, so this summer uh, I did a workshop for a manufacturing company good sized company. They have, a, they have a CEO and a succession plan. So we know who the next CEO is going to be. Okay. And we got them both in the room and we're having conversations and I've got them filling out stickers answering these questions. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's remarkable what happens is they walked into the room feeling like, yeah, we're pretty much, uh, you know, we're kind of know where we're going. We know how, what the future of this organization <laughs> sure. is. We, we yeah, don't need to write work it work down. They work together. They trust they each They work other. together. Absolutely. Yeah. All those great qualities are there. Mm-hmm. But then when you see them write it down, and having them say, where do we play? And they start scoping it out. I put them on two different teams intentionally and then have them work in subgroups and then present back to each other. Because mm-hmm. that's the only way you find out. Like if we have one big group of people, one person does all the talking, and then everyone will kind of like nod along.
1: Acquia's we'll have one bit, answer. You get a little watered down version of everything. Yeah,
2: the more I, or the most dominant person oh, okay, with the sure. most power or the biggest voice, or who's willing to fight to the death, right? Mm-hmm. They, will, they will dominate that conversation. But in our workshops, I have them spread out and I have them work in small groups and then I have them compare their answers. And it's in that comparison of their answers because now I've got three, let's just say I got three teams of three and I'll give them all the same assignment, uh, multi-track it, and then they'll come back and compare each other and, and it'll be starkly different. Even the definition of the customer is what can be wildly different. Because right. they've got different perspectives and that's where the dialogue takes place is right after that comparison where they go, oh, wait a minute, what do you mean by that? Mm-hmm. I thought we—I thought this was where we are headed. Oh, no, 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 that's, no, no, you misunderstood me. I, I wanna go this way. And then they start having that conversation about basically picking which path they, they wanna go down.
1: And I'd imagine too, especially if you have uh, maybe one, maybe different roles, visionary strategy type person, and then another person's out there then day to day and and that dominant person may say, well, it's like this. And the other person's going, well, that's not how, really how we do it. Yeah, totally, mm-hmm. totally. You've got the uh, the front line versus the back line
2: mm-hmm. dynamic that takes place. Uh, and well, they only see down in the weeds and I can see the big picture. But a lot of times you, your big picture can be lacking some of the details that it needs from the person right. who's down in the front line, mm-hmm. right? Um, getting that dialogue taking place in the room and then getting it written down Uh, I also have folks do, I'll do versions in a group, and this is really powerful for groups too, because what happens is we're so uh, focused on getting aligned. So let's just say we, we got people who are willing and able to articulate those questions and we run through it really fast and it is really clear for them. No problem. Okay. Well, then I'll say, okay, that's good. That's version one. Now show me version two. What do you mean? That was the answer. And just getting folks to think about multiple versions of the future mm-hmm. will pick a different mountain or pick a different way of getting to that mountain. Look, you know, I, I had a group this week. I had them do, uh, I had one team, I was, I had the fortunate, I had six different tables working at a time. Mm-hmm. So I had two teams uh, plan as pragmatist. I had two teams plan as bold visionaries. And then I had two teams just be flat out crazy. Just mm-hmm. write down the craziest things you can think of. And then what we did, we had them come back and switch back and forth between those two teams. And I would, I would mix the pragmatist with the bold. I'd mix the crazies with the pragmatist and I had them like merge together and just try to change their thinking or elevate their thinking because yeah, maybe there was something way too crazy out there, but that was a really good idea that we could make it smaller and more realistic. It was like, oh, we would have never gone there had we not gone to crazy. And so having different versions of where Mm. we play or where we will play, can really broaden your thinking. So even if you're with a small team, you got three people, we're sitting around the table and we're like, okay, good. We got the answer. Okay, good. Pause, take a break, push that aside and start over again and put on a different hat.
1: Because our mind will, once we, and our mind has to do this, we categorize, come up with pathways. But once we do that, the biases become really strong. We're on locked it. you in. Can't,
2: yep. It's the right answer. It's yep. totally the right answer. In fact, I had, you, you bring something up. I had a group, uh, we were in a really nice conference room. I had about eight people in the room, and I selected who was on each team. Okay, so it was completely random. I just picked them, put them in the put them in the room, and they both came up with their ideas. And then they started. I said, "All right, now start talking." And they they just the way they were positioned in the room, they're on ends of the boardroom table. Mm-hmm. Okay, and this team starts presenting their idea. This team's just physically starts saying like, "That's a bad idea." So I was like, "Okay, once you guys go," and so they started presenting. And the room just continued to escalate and they just kept continuing to dig in, dig in, dig in. And this is a full blown argument taking place. And, I'm, and so I was standing in the middle like this, stop, everyone just pause for a moment. I just wanna point out what's happening in this room because I'd, I had awareness that there's been some dysfunction among this leadership team in terms of getting aligned on things mm-hmm. and you know, holding each other accountable. I'm noticing that you guys feel like you're really right. We are right. We are completely right. This is the right approach, and you guys feel the same way. Yeah, we do. Why is it that you feel so strongly? Like I picked the teams. What 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 is it that made this idea? Why are you holding so strongly to this idea? We've only been working on it for 20 minutes, it's starting to feel like it's just about winning. Yes, it's about winning the argument. We came up
1: with the strategy. Had I,
2: had I picked different teams, you would have like it. Started getting personal. Hmm. And it's like, how is it getting so personal so fast when? I had them, I picked the teams. Right, interesting. Yeah, like it was more about winning in the moment uh, than it was about uh, finding the best answer. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was more about like we're right than it was about the best answer. So
1: I think that's a really great point. A lot of people probably do have these sessions They come up with a, an answer and they're like, gosh, whew, that was a lot of work, I'm <laughs> glad we got there. Yeah. Yeah, thank goodness, <laughs> high fives, we're done. I remember we used to run football plays. This is like when we were eleven years old and we'd run like the triple reverse and you'd try and practice and there'd be a fumble and it wouldn't work. And then like you'd get it once and they be like, All right, there we let's go. Move it on. Moving we take on. A break? It's like you got it once and it is not completely analogous, but maybe more analogous as you say. It, I, I, I think it is, man. I think it is. It's like, okay, we all got aligned, we all got it written down. Okay. Yep.
2: Jeff, let's wrap this up. Yep. We're good. We got an answer. And It was like, yeah, we have a answer. Mm-hmm. How do we know it's the best answer? And if we can go and force ourselves,
1: yeah, I love to, that Opening to
2: people's explore minds.
1: a couple more. Then it was like, it's it was just the first answer. There's yeah. multiple answers. It's like, um, oh, I, I see. I see the man with binoculars. So what are you picturing? What am I picturing mm-hmm. when I say that?
2: Uh, the first thing that popped into my head was. I could see a man with binoculars, but then I, as you were saying it, I started thinking about like, I'm using binoculars to see a man. Right, yeah. so it's like,
1: you know, that's it's not like that. Th- it's like
2: the duck and the lady exactly, picture or, the or whatever, the or duck whatever and the rabbit, yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh,
1: so that's not that mind blowing, but I think we see where we're going there. It's like, oh, I hadn't even thought of that side yeah. of it, right? Yeah. Uh, so that was our our triangle, right? We had our aim, uh, our mountain, we had the, the operational stuff, and then what do you call this other, piece I, I call it I call that the strategy okay and, strategy. and I actually had
2: someone like, well Jeff isn't the whole thing the strategy and I'm like I'm making a point that strategy is the choices mm-hmm. that we want to make choice so it's it's about who we, the choice about who we need to become right so if we're gonna go climb a certain let's just say we're gonna climb Everest I can't climb Everest today you can't climb Everest today but there's a lot of choices that have to be made, right right We probably got to get in shape. We gotta eat a whole lot better. We gotta find a, a climbing company to hire. We gotta we gotta get permits. Right. We got I gotta save fifty sixty thousand dollars just mm-hmm. to be on that team and be able to get off of work. And there's a lot of choices that need to be made. If the aim is simple, climb Everest. Well, what more do we need to talk about? Let's just climb Everest. I mean, how many leaders are just like, well, climb Everest? Well, how hard how hard could it be? Figure it out. Right. But then it's like, okay, well, there's a lot of choices of how we want to do that, right? And then there's what we need to do, right? Buying, buying the permits and getting plane tickets mm-hmm. and buying the equipment. That's the what we need to do, yep. right? How can we measure our progress? Well, my VO2 max has gone up because mm-hmm. I've been working out a lot more, running marathons. That starts to be the operating plan, the what you need to do. The strategy is more who you need to become mm-hmm. in order, right? You have, to, you have to be willing to transform before you transform. You have to become someone different to be a person who can climb Everest. Like and there's a whole that. lot of doing that takes place to make that happen. So companies, in, or, in order to achieve new or higher aims, have to become
1: a different company. Right. Like, you have start transforming today, so you can yeah. be where you want to be tomorrow. Yeah,
2: If let's just say you got a $10 million company, and you want to be a $20 million company. It's like, okay, well, all the choices we've made so far, known or unknown, makes us a $10 million company. What choices do we need to make to become a $20 million company? Because clearly the choices we're making right now don't make us a $20 million company.
1: Right. We gotta make some different choices. And be if that, you're having a conversation for some reason or another, you're, you, you wanna be somewhere else, right? We that's, wanna be somewhere else. We've mm-hmm. chose a different mountain,
2: right? We, we said we wanna be 20 million. Well, that's gonna require your organization and the people within it to become different. There's a lot of choices that, that can make that happen.
1: So who do you bring in on these meetings typically is it pretty it depends on the size of the company their management team i mean you bring in everybody that's in management how do you categorize who's who needs to be in on these meetings or do you let them pick that there's a couple uh, i
2: advise uh, there's a couple of different approaches uh when it comes to let's just say it's a uh let's say it's privately owned and let's say it's in the i kind of set this up in a couple of different ways i think of there are owners of companies where they have functional leaders that report to them. Mm-hmm. So they don't have a chief strategy officer, they right. don't have someone between them and their functional folks, right? When I think about a, an organization like that, and this could be, you know, I've worked from anywhere from call it, I mean, I've worked from a church or a board of directors who mm-hmm. had that meeting like that, all the way up to companies that have a couple hundred million dollars in revenue. Sure. Okay. And those tend to have work really well, where you have call it eight to 12 people. Once you have more than 12 people, things change. People aren't as honest as they, as they could be. So eight to 12 is a really safe group. It also allows me to have three teams. Mm -hmm. So I can run three, three exercises at the same time. So we've got three alternatives to compare. Cause if you only have two teams, you end up what I mentioned before, that was an eight person group. I split them into two teams and automatically they both disagree with each other just because of the nature of the structure. Right. Like the structure That's really interesting. Influences.
1: Yeah, three teams. Hey, we're all still working together, we're just dividing up. Two teams, it's like it's you against us. Yeah, it's binary. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. agree or
2: disagree. Whereas mm-hmm. if I have a third team, well now it's like, well, I kind of agree with them, I definitely disagree
1: with them. Like there's a the right. triangular gives you a little more power. I th- yeah, I think a little more focus that we're all Trying to eventually run in yeah. the same direction. Yeah,
2: and sometimes folks will be like, "Well, I don't have eight leaders in the group." And I'm like, "That's okay. Pick some of those folks who might be in your secession plan. Maybe you haven't told them yet, but you're gonna let them in. Mm-hmm. You're gonna let them be part of that conversation. Maybe that person's closer to the front line than you are. Right? Right? Bring them in. Say you're you got a CFO, but they've got some director who's like." great. And like that director is going to
1: be the next CFO. I would imagine a lot of those people enjoy being in Absolutely, cause they, cause they haven't had an opportunity. To Absolutely. put a feather that. in
2: their cap, yep. right? They get to be a part of it. They also end up being an advocate for it with more employees, right? If you keep it all in the C-suite, mm-hmm. that's what you've got. Well, then it was C-suite went off and did what C-suite does. Now, if you had a couple it, people yeah. in the room uh, that who are intermixed with all the typical employees, well, now that person, everyone will ask them, hey, how was it? What was that like? Mm -hmm. And they can say, "Oh man, it was really cool. Like, C-suite really cares. They really care about where we're headed." And so now you've got someone who's out advertising. I actually I just finished a workshop uh, last week, and I told like, "Hey, we had a bunch of what we called influencers. This was a much bigger group. It was a department. As a company had like 400, a department that had 400 people in it. And so we had 36 in that room. So it runs a little differently. It's a different dynamic." I have lots of people involved, but the C-suite was really only eight people of that 36. We were really intentional Mm -hmm. to make sure this became a cultural thing. Right. So if you want it to be more cultural, you got to invite in more folks. Now, people won't be as honest. The C-suite won't be as honest. They kind of put on the Mm C-suite, right? Because you have to, you got to be a leader. You you, you'll be polite. You won't get into an argument in front of all the employees, right? So it changes things. But when you have the big group of folks, uh, you're able to I finished the meeting and go, hey, people are going to ask you what happened over the last two days, what you were part of, and you were hand selected to be here. Mm-hmm. Like there's a reason you were here. This is not a secret. Tell anybody anything that you heard in this meeting. Right. Tell them it's not a secret. Go out and talk about it. When they ask, share what you liked, what you're excited about. Let them know what's going on because it's coming.
1: Versus, as you mentioned before, hey, they went to a room, and here's our new rules. Yeah, we don't want it to be, yeah, new rules. Be <laughs> yep. here, they go. They are they going to go try something again, and that's yeah. not going to work. Yeah, a lot yeah. of that.
2: Yeah, so it, it just kind of depends on what the the host or the leader who,
1: mm-hmm. but you lose some vulnerability. Maybe you then. lose
2: a little vulnerability. So it's, mm-hmm. all trade-offs. Mm-hmm. it's all about trade offs. It's all about trade offs, right? So you got to have enough people in the room so you get some diversity of thought get some real dialogue going. And that the quality of the dialogue can be different based
1: on how many people are in the sure. room. The, the quality of dialogue can be different based on how you set the room up. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you've been able to customize too. Maybe they took it one approach and you decided, hey, we need to bring more people in on this. Or maybe it's gone the other way too, where it's like, no, we really just need these like, the three of us to be able to talk about this stuff.
2: Yeah, it depends. I mean, if mm-hmm. you want it to be really fast, mm-hmm. and you just want to get stuff articulated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes I'll just sit down with the leader and we'll just write it out. Yeah. And I'll just interview them and I'll keep track of it all. They're mm-hmm. like, okay, there's your current strategy. Mm-hmm. Great. We never had it
1: on one piece of paper before. Sure. And so that, it just, you know, that can be really fast and really efficient. Tell me about your process too. I, I know you, you're constantly working uh, to make this better. And what I'm speaking to is just being engaging with people, mm-hmm. when I When I hear a workshop or when he, people hear a workshop, they might think, boring work, mm. work is in the title, it's a workshop. <laughs> uh, so tell me, tell me how you think about engaging the group. Yeah, I think, uh, so
2: first off, it's a, uh, we approach it as a creative exercise. It's not a analysis exercise. So a lot of, a lot of folks who do strategy, you know, a more academic approach is we're gonna do a bunch of research, we are going to, uh, uh, have all of this rigor to prove what we should do or how we should do it. Mm-hmm. And that ends with the workshop where we finally get it all summarized and we put it in the big thick binder with all the proof points in it. Uh, I find that to be very rigid uh, uh, because you can't change it then. You, you just added commitment bias all the way through. Like, well, we did all this work. I actually had a leader uh, tell me this. They actually hired, a, they, we were prospecting with them, sitting with the c suite. They had spent the last eight months building their strategy. And uh, that, hey, we want you to help make it cultural. We want you to roll the strategy, help us design how we roll this out for the rest of the organization. And so we're making our pitch and uh, they're, they're considering a couple other folks. And one of the leaders like, hey, I, I got one last question for you. It's like, okay, sounds good. And he goes, are we going to have to be part of the rollout, the culturalization of the strategy? And I was kind of taken back. I was like, uh, well, like, why is he asking this? Like, yeah, what? Well, like, well, in my mind, I'm thinking, well, yeah, of course you are. Like, mm-hmm. you're the leader, right? I, like, I can't roll out your mm-hmm. strategy. It's not mine. I'm just going to be the designer and help, you know, mm-hmm. energize and shape it in a way that they can understand it, make it consumable. And I said, well, yeah, you, you guys are the leadership team. So we, you would have a definite part to play in rolling it out. And he's like, oh, I don't know about that. I just spent the last eight months doing off sites. I'm exhausted from working on this strategy. Like, I don't know if I got the energy for that. And it was like, okay, that guy I'm sure has great intentions. The spirit is all there, but what's coming out is fatigue. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, we did all our work. Now it's someone else's job to pick this up and run with it. And so what we try to do is flip that and say, hey, let's, let's start with a creative uh, process. Let's explore the adjacent possible. What are all the different things we could mm-hmm. do? And
1: then we can narrow... And and the fun part of running a business and growing a business like out of your garage, right? It's like... Strategy is creative, right? Operation plans, that's very much,
2: and it's very needed. It's very, you know, who needs to do what, by when, how's they, how are they gonna do it? And what are the measures and metrics? Mm -hmm. Valuable stuff. But that's not creative. Sure. That's just planning out the chunks. Maybe there's a little creative. But strategy should be a safe creative space to explore possibilities. And, and look at a lot of different things. So right away, we take it as a creative approach. Now, uh, rigor is important, but rigor comes after the creative exercise. So if you think about design thinking, it's mm-hmm. like, hey, let's create ideas, let's narrow down the ones that we think are most promising, and then let's spend the next 90 days going and testing some things that, some assumptions that we made to prove, oursel- prove to ourselves that that was the right choice mm-hmm. for us. Because now I'm less invested in it. If I wanna change something in the document, change something in the strategy after 90 days, it's like, mm-hmm. all right, well, I mean, all we did was scribble something down with a done is better than perfect, proved out that that wasn't a good channel for us, let's try a different channel. Right, And we can more readily and easily let things go.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So right away, it's a creative process. Uh, something else that we do is uh, in the workshop, I mean, we are definitely working people, um, but we are working uh, in a way to make help them be creative. And so we do a lot of pre-work. So we do some, we, in some groups, we'll do surveys, we'll do interviews, we'll, if we have really big groups, we have influencers that we invite those frontline people, we have them go out and do interviews and bring that information into us. So mm-hmm. we've got some data and insights to work with. Sure. Uh, we also do e-learning. So we're gonna answer five big questions in the room. I'm not gonna spend the first two hours explaining what we're going to mm-hmm. do, like we get to work. We do some quick creative energizers to get us moving and then we get right to work because I have everyone watch a five-part video series before we get started. Super short, super brief, but mm-hmm. everyone walks in already knowing me, already knowing what we're gonna do, already feeling competent that they know how to answer some right. of those questions.
1: And you've done this because you understand uh, transformation. I mean, you do, as I mentioned at the top of the show, you do it with yourself. So you're using multiple mediums, right? You're totally. using e-learning, um, Engaged videos, videos, podcasts. We use a lot of content right. to help
2: people be ready to go so they feel like they can win.
1: Yep, and then you bring it along and you that's when you come in and do the powerful kind of quantum leap creative uh, movement That's forward. what we try to do, yeah. yeah. So gosh, we could talk about this forever. What were, let's try to wrap it up thinking, what were, what were the rest of those questions? Did you say there's five? I think we're on one and a half or so right now. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, so
2: the first question is, and again, read Playing to Win. If you haven't read Playing to Win, okay. it's such a
1: fantastic book. I can put it in the show notes, Playing to
2: Win. Yeah, yeah Playing to Win by that? Roger Martin. Okay. It's such a fantastic book. If you've read it once, you should read it again. It is, It, it applies in so many ways uh, in just being strategic. Uh, I'll say this too. Uh, I've got a, and I'll have got i give you this so you can put it in the show notes or you can send a link to it. But I've got a, an infographic on, is your strategy strategic? Right? How's your strategy measure up? Uh, a way to look at and say cause some of the things I've been talking about. Sure, um, because we've got five questions in there to help you kind of look at it and go, hey, maybe maybe we're not being as strategic as we could be. Um, but the the questions from the Playing to Win book that I really enjoy is first, what's our winning aspiration? So that kind of gets you closer to the mountain. Mission, vision, values is. Uh, Is a great exercise, but maybe not one when you're doing uh, strategy. And so, winning aspiration is enough to say, Hey, what do we need to get done over the next three years? What mountain are we choosing to climb over the next three years? That's usually how I frame that. Sure. Where where will we play, Mm -hmm. right? Where are we going to play, right? What is the landscape and the scope of work that we're going to be in, and who are we going to serve? And get really crispy clear who the customer is and how we're going to serve it. And give that person a name, what kind of clone they wear. Yep. Uh, yep. So there's where where will we play? Then there's how will we win. And this gets into the value proposition, articulating why should I choose you versus someone else? Hmm. Right? There's a million trainers and facilitators out there. Why should sh- someone choose me versus someone else? And being able to articulate. That's probably the hardest question. So where we will play is the one where everyone rolls their eyes at and thinks thinks is too easy to answer. Mm-hmm. How we win. People are like, uh, customer service. <laughs> and Customer service is probably not the answer.
1: Probably I'm sure not. you want it to be the answer. Uh, it's like saying, "Well, we keep our toilet paper and our bathroom stocked for <laughs> yeah. people." <laughs> it's like, yeah. Okay. Good. That's, yeah. That's
2: customer service is good, solid. but there are <laughs> high degree, or, or people will say, "Well, it's our people." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Will your customers say that? Is that exactly what your customers say? Mm -hmm. And and a lot of times people just don't know enough of what their customers say because they don't have a really good means of asking them.
1: We talked about this off air briefly. You mentioned customers. Is there, I can't remember what you said. Is it, was that it? Was it, we're not looking through our customers' eyes or we're not asking our customers or what is it that we're missing sometimes when we think about the customers or clients or- I think a lot of times people wanna,
2: one, they're too broad. It's mm-hmm. kind of like, well, people who want to spend money with us, they want to buy X or Y. And it's, th- the reason it's important. So think about customers this way, because a lot of people think, well, I'm open to taking anyone who wants to work with us. Okay, yeah, that, that makes sense as a business. Right. But you need to have a customer you're aiming at so that your voice, you can say, hey, that's the type of person we're looking for. Okay, mm-hmm. so I'll give you my, my customers. Okay, so Great. I've got two. There's two customers, because just of the nature of the fact that we do facilitation, we do training, and we do coaching. So our customers are CEOs of small to mid-sized companies, which in Omaha is that can be, you know, a couple hundred million dollars. Sure. Right? Small to mid-sized companies, uh, you know, when you're relative to billion dollar companies that have a CEO who has functional experts who report to them. So they don't have a C suite. A group of people who are supporting them that can just run operations, where the CEO is separated from all from IT, finance, HR. Right? They've got enough leaders, executive leaders, Mm -hmm. but they all report to the CEO, and they don't have a chief strategy officer. Okay. So if they don't have a chief strategy officer, we can come in and help play that role temporarily for them. Sure. Okay. So that's customer number one, Uh, and then our second customer is. A, and a department head works out there, like a head of IT or a head of finance or a head of HR. Mm-hmm. They kind of fit into that category because they have the same needs uh, as- As a functional expert. As a, functional, right, a functional, right. Expert. right. So they're and like they're, a functional leader sure. who has a lot of direct reports and they don't have a strategy arm within their function because they're functional experts. Mm-hmm. The other area, because we do training, is uh, HR organizational design leaders at big companies. You know, picture, you know, billion dollar plus companies mm-hmm. will we'll come in and help design and develop a leadership training program, teach people how to do coaching, teach people how to do give feedback, delegate, be leaders, fundamental uh, leadership training type of stuff, because that customer has different needs than the CEO or department head. Has. Sure. Right, they're a business unit or a company, a complete company versus an HROD lead who's looking for someone to do training. Well, they have different need states, mm-hmm. and our value proposition to either of them are different. Right. Right. With the department heads, it's a lot of customization. Right. We're designing. We get in deep. We understand what they're trying to build, who the client, who the who their customers are, what type of leaders are they, what level are they at, and what do they need. Uh, to learn to be better leaders. Mm -hmm. That's a different customer. Whereas this customer over here, who is a business owner or a functional department head is, hey, they just need someone to come and help facilitate the strategic process, help our team think strategically, Mm -hmm. get it captured, and get traction on executing that strategy of who they need to become to reach their aim.
1: That makes sense. It, Two different ones, right? And in Omaha, as you said, we have a lot of that. People outsource. And maybe they they don't have a whole marketing department. Maybe so yep. they outsource that yep. or a CFO type department. Maybe yep. they have one person there. So yep. um, that helps crystallize it for me. Definitely, this is. Hey, I know I need somebody that's expert in this. I'm not. sure. I've been kind of doing it with. Yeah, the, yeah and they, they yeah. are tend, They tend to be right. Yeah. Um, so this just helps uh, take it to another another level and get it on paper for one.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We do that exercise for them because we, we do this with a lot of folks. And so we're able to, we know what some of the traps are, which I've mm-hmm. explained here today, right? Like I'll, I'll end up writing the first draft yeah, because just getting a draft done is like, okay, good. Now we're almost there because you'll, it's funny. We'll go, we'll do all this work. Uh, and when I first started, uh, we let them write the first draft and then I'd call, Hey, how's it going? Oh, it's going good. We haven't got to it yet. Well, now it's been a month and everyone's forgotten what they talked about, mm-hmm. right? The Ebbinghauser effect, right? You only got two weeks. And so I always set it up as, we write We write a draft in the room, I write a draft in Word document and send it back to them. So at least now we've got all of that captured and then I make them edit it. Yeah. And so we and build in some procedures to make sure they get done what they wanted to get done. Otherwise the minutia of every day.
1: And I've, and I've worked through some of this with you. You helped me with that. And uh, Jeff makes this process really easy too because he brings in a bunch of Post-it notes. You still use Post-it notes? Yep. Um I remember I I didn't want to throw any away. It's like they don't they don't cost that much. So write as many (laughs) write use as many post-it notes as you want. Uh, but as I do recall, we got out of that room with having it on one page. And it's easier to go back and edit and to rethink about it once it's already down. Once it's down, it's amazing. Yeah. Editing's easier than creating. Yeah, because otherwise it feels like you still have the whole you have a term paper to write. If you don't if you haven't started, it just feels daunting. Yeah. So you never start. But if you already got one crack at it then you can go back and say, well, that paragraph's no good or this yep. needs a little addition here. Yep. Okay. Anything else you want to tell us about what's coming up for Bravium? Uh, something we missed? What's uh, What's What's exciting you these days? Uh, I think, you know, we're just getting to work with
2: more and more folks who are willing to take on a different approach, who are looking to do something different, uh-huh. right? Uh, they've tried it a lot of different ways. I had someone tell me the other day, I was like, you know what I really liked about this? I've done a lot of strategy workshops in my day and it's like, you made this fun? Like, I hate strategy workshops, but I actually enjoyed this. Like, I actually yeah. enjoyed being part of the process. And for me, that was like, oh man, that's, that's like the best feedback you sure. can get. She was like, you you guys is like, you sh- your tagline should be strategy for people who hate strategy. <laughs> Maybe it will be. That's great. <laughs> and I thought that was, I thought that was great. And so we've just had a real, real fortunate opportunity in the last three years to get to work with a lot of great people in Omaha. And uh, they've all been real great supporters of us. And, uh, we just look to continue creating value for folks. So we're we're posting a lot of videos uh, on our website. I feel like I said I'll I'll give you the infographic. Okay. We're trying to share as much uh, as much ideas and, and content out there with people, and we just love meeting people and talking with them. Sure. So
1: well, Godspeed on more continued success. I know every time I talk to somebody, they do. They have a big smile. They say, Oh, they're so much fun to work with. So reach out. Uh, you can, what, you can tiptoe into the water with all your content. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Check us out. But reach out anytime. Uh, Jeff's always happy to have a conversation. So thank you for being on the podcast. Oh, no, man, it was fun. We'll that was it was quick. We'll do it again. All Thanks. right. Thank
0: you, Brady. Thank you. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Business Owner Challenge. Don't leave your business transition to chance. Your family, employees, and community will benefit from a proactive written secession and exit plan. To find out how to start, please contact Brady Marlowe and Rob Wellendorf at Execto. Call 402-991-1700 or visit them online at execso.com. All matters discussed during this show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation. Advisory services offered through exexo a registered investment advisor. Execso and Cambridge are not affiliated. Securities offered through registered representatives of Cambridge Investment Research, Inc. Broker dealer member FINRA SIPC.